Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. I'm one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how are you? I'm <laughs> doing good, man. How are you doing? Doing uh, a little wiped out. Just got off a plane and <laughs> yep. hopped into this chair because I wanted to chat about our good friends, Charday and Greg, with you. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird um, doing an episode about people that you see kind of regularly. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, but I, I, that's what I love this about this episode is that that's why I think this one, the conversation is just so flowing and I don't know, I thought it was a fun one. Yeah, that's good. Uh, but let's get into what promises to be a momentous task of tackling a mailbag that runneth <laughs> over <laughs> yes but first because we always forget i think at the top we need to say to reach us oh yeah turned out a punk footnotes at gmail.com and we receive a fair amount of mail uh we are very thankful for that gives us lovely things to discuss every week yep and, uh yeah we got a bunch here I don't, or do you want to start with news though oh i guess we do have news off the top before we yeah. ta- tackle the mailbag so let's do the news first okay chris Take it to the news desk. Okay. I'm not going to do the first one because you mentioned off air that you have this. So I kind of want you to take okay, that. Okay. Well, so I'll do the first one. I guess like, yeah, okay. we're going to uh, – in light I, – I meant if you wanted to set it up. But in light, oh. <laughs> Chris thought it would be a great idea to run through some of the amazing books about punk, specifically Los Angeles punk. I think all of these detail Los Angeles punk that we're talking about today. Yeah. Seems uh, it. That just have come out in uh, one – giant splosh of, of books. So I guess the first one, which I'm reading right now, just got off the plane with it in my hand and I was reading it while I had to stand in the customs line. Keith Morris's book, My Damage, which he wrote with Jim Ruland. And it's, it's like a story of punk rock and sub, uh, story of a punk rock survivor. Sorry. I don't have my glasses yet. Oh, they're there. <laughs> Throw those on right now, Chris. Yeah, there you go. Story of a punk rock survivor, and it is an incredible book. I tell you, it it really reads like Keith is just sitting there telling it to you. <laughs> Those I like when there's personality that does a book, and it is like that. There's a few out there that I've found to be that way. Yeah, it's like it, I always thought he was the oldest member of Black Flag, but it turns out he's two years younger than Greg Ginn. Huh? Um, yeah, but, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought that either. But okay, cool. But yeah, stories about seeing love, like awesome, awesome book. I strongly recommend picking that one up. Another book that just came out, which uh, I don't know, uh, I also picked up a copy of, but I haven't <laughs> had a chance to read it yet. Uh, and that is Under the Big Black Sun. What, what is this one, Chris? It is a personal history of L.A. punk written by John Doe. And uh, it's sort of a memoir from what I'm understanding, but he wrote it with Tom DeSil. DeSavia and Friends, it says here, with a foreword by uh, Billy Joe Armstrong, of all people. Yeah, there's a lot of cool essays in here by other people, too. There's like Christy um, from the Flesh Eaters and Exene, um, you know, writing about punk, luckily. Um, and, you know, there's <laughs> there's a part of me. We're just laughing at that comment. Oh, okay. Uh, there's, uh, there's, you know, there's like a lot of great other contributors to this book and it's, it, I've flipped through it a couple times already and it looks like it's going to be a great read. And then Chris, 
Yes, the other one we have here, which you had mentioned to me and I was not aware of until uh, basically an hour ago, mm -hmm. um, is the Slash Records uh, – what is it called here? Slash Records Punk Magazine 77 to 80. And it seems to be like a um, – what would you call it? Not an anthology maybe is the wrong word, but uh, – Collects. You have this, I believe, right? No, I don't have this yet. I, I have it on order, um, but I have not gotten my copy yet. It is a fantastic book. It's got like I don't know. It's just got the complete run of the of the issues in it as well. But it also has like other ephemera, and it really was like a a magazine that begat so much stuff. Like not just the punk stuff, but like you think like Faith No More was on Slash Records. You think like Violent Femmes and and Los Lobos and all these great bands were on out of Slash Records. So I think, yeah, I think even uh, the pre-Jane's Addiction band, if I'm not mistaken, Psycom, I think, was also on that. I think right. you're right, yeah. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah, it's a great book, a really cool book, and uh, I strongly recommend people, uh, if you get a chance and have the, have the means, pick it up because, you know, like, I think that's the thing is, like, <laughs> this is the one. This is the one that was like impossible to get. There wasn't another anthology of this one. Like, you know, you had, you could go through Search and Destroy, Punk Magazine, you could look at stuff, but Slash, you had to actually see and track down old issues, and you just saw how cool they looked. Yeah, totally. I, I still would love, I don't know if I'll ever have them in my lifetime, but a run of those original ones. But yeah, I've got a couple but issues, but literally, yeah. I think a couple, but nothing, you know, approaching a complete run. <laughs> yeah. They look they look really good when you see them like someone's got them and they kind of flaunt them. They always look great too. Mm -hmm. But uh, sorry to mention real quick, hat what is it? Hat and Beard Press put that out that anthology or what have you. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's sold out on certain places, so have fun finding it. But it's it's in print so far as I know. It's oh yeah, no, it's not every. Sorry, I'm looking down here now. I should correct myself. Sorry. It's selective articles are reprinted here. So, yes, we both still need, Chris, a complete run. <laughs> well, we would have tried anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I would have anyway. Yeah, so would I. So would I. You know, totally. don't, undersell, don't undersell me, Chris. I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't mean it to sound like no, that. No, don't worry, buddy. I'm just if, fucking around. If either of us were to actually complete it, it certainly would be you over me. I'll say that much. I but, don't um, think. I think at this point, unless, <laughs> unless like, the uh you know the the fairy godfather of la punk bestowed upon me <laughs> this thing and believe me there is such a thing <laughs> i know this now yes. it is real from this trip i know this now i don't want to get into too much detail about this because we'll talk about more as as the future goes on about what was going on down there but it's a pretty weird trip Yes. Confirms <laughs> confirms some very uh bizarre cryptozoology finds <laughs> including the Don Bowles in the wild <laughs> nice. and the fairy godfather of LA Punk. There you go. But uh I don't remember where you were getting off the point with the slash book, but yeah. No, I was saying that we, we that's the only way that I get a complete run. True, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, I guess we will leave it at that for now with the Slash book and talk about the final book, which is put out by Brian Ray Turcott, and that is the Jabberjaw book. And the Jabberjaw scene was a Los Angeles scene kind of towards, I guess, no, not kind of, at the late 80s. And it was really the, kind of the, 
I don't know. What were you describing it as, Chris? Like, it's hard to kind of put your finger on what this scene was. Well, I said broadly and maybe incorrectly, like the pre-sort of garage revival thing. Uh, sort of the post-punk breaking and pre-garage revival. I don't know if that would be accurate, though. Yeah, and, like, it's kind so, of a between-scene scene, you yeah. know? And it's it's an amazing scene, like, when you look at all the bands that came, kind of like, that would come through Los Angeles at that time and kind of play at the Jabberjaw Gallery, or with, you know, with in that scene. That yeah. Scene. Um, but uh, it's called the book is called It All Dies Anyway, L.A. Jabberjaw and the End of an Era, and it's from Rizzoli Press. And it is a beautiful book. Uh, Brian, of course, did the uh, fucked up and photocopied series, which are awesome as well. And this is, I guess, the third. I don't know. It's not really in the series, but it's very similar in layout, and and it looks incredible. There's an amazing flyer I just flipped to, and it's the Unsane and the Melvins, nice. 95. And it would have been, well, I mean, obviously it's a great era, time to see this band. Unsane were so great in that era, I think, personally. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was lucky enough to catch them, I think, in 97 or 98, and they were phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. No, this was like, I guess this is on the Small Amps tour, right? The Melvins? Uh, I don't because know. It says, what, it says on the flyer, come and see the Melvins do a quiet set. <laughs> Same songs, lower volume. Weird. I don't. Uh, yeah, I didn't see them in that in those years, unfortunately. So I'm not sure what that would have been like. Uh, I bet you've been cool. <laughs> I'm sure it's always been. <laughs> um. Uh. So yeah, this is another. My God, there's a ton of books to get. Yeah, you have. You've already flipping through them, so you've got some. <laughs> I've got some, but I don't have like you know. I need the slash book. There's a. There's also, you know, Dave Dichter's book, which I think we've talked about as well. Yeah, the, I think uh, we brought it up last week, even maybe. But yeah, yeah. There's the um, so I, I, there's a lot of stuff that's out there that you know, constantly, constantly coming out. That's the problem with this era. Like, there was a moment where you couldn't find. It's not the problem with this era, I shouldn't say, but it's like in this era, you can you have access to all these stories that at other times. You were just scraping for dribs and drabs of this information, and yeah. now it's being released <laughs> into the world, and it's hard to keep up with. Yeah, I mean, but the now I think it's coming to the point where I think a lot of these people are in, maybe in a better position to like have a memoir or something. I don't know. Maybe that's why, or people are doing a better job with archiving. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or just the market, like people like us are older and maybe more able to afford it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. There, I want to get this Harley Flanagan book too. Yes. Oh, how did I forget that one? Yeah. What is that one called? It's called uh, Life Hard Dash Core, Life of My Own. That's right. Oh, for shame! How did I forget that one of all the ones? Um, but yeah, do you have that already? Is that what you're saying? It? Or no. It no. God, no. I want it so fucking badly, but <laughs> reading about it here, and it's just like. Oh, this book is going to be a, a bumpy ride. <laughs> but the um, former guest uh, on the show, Anthony Bourdain, says on the cover, "This book is the punch in the face you want and need." Yeah, it's in the lower. Yeah, it's called "Hardcore Life of My Own," and it's by what? Who put this out? Oh, Stephen Blush is the uh, does the intro too. Who did American Hardcore, of course? Yeah, uh, and Feral House did it. Wow. Okay, so that's another coupling there. Oh so, yeah, yeah well, what is he? Yeah, what was his punk band called? I don't know, man. He got me there. 
He had a punk band, the guy from Feral House. Uh, way well, back the when. guy who runs Feral House isn't Stephen Blush, but yeah, the no, um, no. Um, you're talking about I can't remember his name. Oh, it's gonna bug me. It'll come to me. Um, I don't remember a punk band though. I don't remember his punk band. I'm thinking about it. Okay, well, let's move on. It'll come to me. Yeah, too. yeah. We're going. We're digressing already. Uh, we have one more news item, and I'll take it. I guess um, is the uh, I was uh, sort of uh, flipping amongst the social media content and happened upon some very interesting news. I'm not normally terribly excited about reunion shows, things like that. However, um, I did stumble across Grant Lawrence uh, putting out some information that the Smugglers uh, from Vancouver, of course, uh, were playing their first show in over 12 years at a festival called The Lookouting, a celebration of Lookout Records as a part oh. of the anniversary of the classic ven- venue 924 Gilman he mentions here. And it says um, it's January 6th uh, through the 8th. They're not sure exactly yet what night they're playing or what have you. But, um, yeah, all that tickets and stuff will be out soon. But it's just a heads up on that. I just thought it was neat they were playing a show again. And as it turns out, I've looked, and there is a Facebook event for this already, uh, That the lookouting, a celebration of lookout. The only bands confirmed thus far are Juke. Corrupted Morals, Winona Riders, and The Smugglers. So I'm sure there's more to be announced. Corrupted yeah. Morals alone is yeah. the one that I want to see. Yeah. If they can get Neurosis, <laughs> if they get Neurosis to come and do Pain of Mind, <laughs> it might be possible. Whoosh. Whoosh. That would be nuts. I can't, I can't figure out what uh, Adam, Adam. Adam, what's his name? Adam Parfrey, I believe. Par- Adam Parfrey, but I can't remember what his uh, fucking punk connection. He had a band. He played in that uh, cop thing with. Oh God, why are we talking about all these horrible people? Let's just move on. They're <laughs> <laughs> just like I'm like I'm like just thinking about the names that are going to come out of my mouth next, and I'm like, well, we got way too much fun stuff to talk about tonight. <laughs> oh, word yes. is law. Why does he paint a mind? They got to do word is law. <laughs> there you go. Went on a weird little, uh, little little sidetrack on that one. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the problem when you talk about these toxic people. <laughs> hey, I was talking about the smugglers. <laughs> but okay. Yeah, but uh, I had to bring back up to – we had to talk back to Feral House because yes, the Harley Flanagan true. book, Chris. Correct. Yes, which I'm still very excited to read. I'm still very excited uh, to read it. Buy and read, might I add. But uh, – yeah, so that's it for the news, mostly books, but that little smugglers thing, that was cool to throw in there too, a band that Damien and I like very much, and of course is a, a Canadian band, so I guess we had to like mention that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and a, uh, you know, a very interesting band, because they were like, kind of perfectly p- like, timed to be that band that rode that Green Day wave in Canada, but they were just like way too real to do that i guess yeah i don't know it's it is kind of bizarre they're especially you was a hit you know that was a canadian hit yeah they were i mean well it's again i think a lot of people know of them but i don't know why it's the same old story i think like they just one of these canadian bands that never got i mean they got certainly big enough i would say but not as big as i would have expected them to be Mm -hmm. but either way either way okay are we do anything else Mailbag, my friend. Mailbag. Let's jump in, Chris. All right. Uh, our regular correspondent, Dave Martin. I don't correspondent the right word at this point. I would say even like writer, indirect co-host. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
freelance uh, emailer. Yeah, freelance uh, non-paid or uh, producer. <laughs> uh, like segment. Yeah, like uh, minister of information even at this rate. But uh, yeah, uh, he writes in uh, taking issue a bit with your – I don't know if it was last week or the week before. It must have been last week. We're discussing the multiple singer uh, thing in bands and that you, cause your contention was that Lee Ronaldo is the most superior front person. Yeah. Sonic. He, uh, no, I'm just saying he's my favorite singer. <laughs> okay. Pardon me. I didn't yeah. mean to put you <laughs> that much heat, but either way, um, he says Sonic Youth can't count for that. It's a whole different category. One of the bands that, uh, have had multiple singers, but what, what you're talking about is bands that have multiple singer slash songwriters. You know, like if you think, uh, that the Fugazi songs that uh, Guy sings are better than the ones that Ian sings. So he's taking you to task, Damien, on the <laughs> distinction of that versus bands with uh, multiple singers or changing front people or however you want to say it. I don't. What, what, what's the difference? <laughs> I I think well, when Ronaldo writes his own songs, did like Guy not write his own songs? No, I think. Uh, I don't think you're correct. I think you're on the same page there. What is I think he saying, saying? Oh, because Lee Ronaldo doesn't contribute enough to the band. That's no, because no, Kim Gordon and Thurston Moore had their foots on his throat. <laughs> it's detailed in the book. Confusion <laughs> is next. <laughs> I think what he's like the the sort of criteria of what that we brought up originally though was like bands who like almost change front people or something or you know whatever. That's at least how I don't know. I don't think I, no. I, they, it wasn't like. Fugazi ever changed front people? No, I know, but he's saying that's why it doesn't count. Oh. Because Sonic, Sonic Youth, like Fugazi, shouldn't count. I believe is what he's saying here. It's oh, okay. Well, I, yeah, okay. But I'm just saying, like, I think <laughs> I don't. I got to go back and listen to that episode because I think we were making a separate point there. Yeah, you you did bring it up, so I suppose you could set the parameters regardless. But yeah, okay. Um, but either way, I just found it funny that he <laughs> he took issue with that specifically. Um, I. I don't know. I, I find this, although you're not a huge Fugazi fan, uh, Damien, as we know now. I like Ian's uh, songs, though. You do prefer Ian's songs. Yeah, I had to think. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I That one I have to think about. I don't know. I don't know who I prefer. I really don't. That's a tough one. Yeah, I, I definitely like Ian's songs. For the uh, for a nerdy thing that we will never do, nor we have time to, would be to break down their entire catalog and actually, like weigh that and maybe one day what the fugazi catalog <laughs> yeah but but actually weigh Holy, the songs. oh wow okay <laughs> i'll do that one, yeah, one you day. and you and dave that'll be the day that's that you and dave do it <laughs> would, have, no would you have to listen to the whole catalog too no i i mean i know the songs well enough i could just like kind of go through them and go okay i remember this yeah is okay. this one better than this or you know what i mean and then weigh the category anyway oh, i probably will never do this i just like whoa. the idea of talking about it so a heavy, heavy, heavy episode. <laughs> uh, next point, do you want to take or you want me to mention here? Okay, oh well, yeah, he says Ween the worst, like Zappa <laughs> for the indie generation. Not funny. <laughs> uh, you know what? That comparison to Zappa, I hundred percent agree, and I'm not a fan of Zappa. And I'm not a hundred percent the biggest Ween fan per se. Yes. I just think the party is a fucking sick song. <laughs> And uh, I'm in the same boat as you, but I feel like I have to come to the defense of Ween here, and also not being a huge Ween fan. Uh, and I stated earlier what Damien's sort of touching on now. If only for Z-Rock Hawaii, 
I would have to back Ween because I think that's exceptional that collaboration. So uh, I had they, they're in my good books for the boredom sort of collabo thing, and uh, yeah, that's cool. Don't they have like a? Is it like the Moist Boys? Is that their punk band or something? Or yeah, there's another. Yeah, they have. I can't remember. I don't own any of that stuff, but yeah, I've heard of it. Um, but the Z Rock Y LP is great, um, or CD, whatever, however you want to say. I don't even know if that came out on vinyl. It did not, as it turns out, from '96. Um, but yeah, I just you know weird band. <laughs> I don't need, don't need to die uh, die on the hill defending Ween, mind you. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, Chris. They have plenty of fans. Let's Super go through cool. that catalog. <laughs> but uh and then the next one here, uh he mentions um what was this in relation to? Oh, the Ween anecdote, yes. Uh it's the funny moment in the Roger Roger Shepherd Flying Nun books where he talks <laughs> he talks shit on Ween while saying they sold a bunch of records, made me happy to know that even though they could claim to be a flying nun recording artist the guy who started the label hates them, <laughs> which is, uh, I suppose one way of taking that. I don't yep. <laughs> And then the last bit you wanted to go on here and, uh, you can take this. Well, yeah, Dave, Dave wrote in to say that we mentioned, uh, Eric Andre on the show before and that Eric Andre had been an intern at Matador records at a time, which is amazing because that all, and then he also brings up the fact that, uh, to him, the most important intern that they ever had was Talbot Adams, who's a member of the Royal uh, Pendleton, Pendleton's Dutch Masters, Genie Jeans, and the Black and Whites, as well as has some great solo records. And so this, Dave loves Talbot because Talbot to him is a true punk, and I agree. But there, here's my point. Matador interns. We have Eric Andre, <laughs> Talbot Adams, Mike, uh, Michael, the guy who started Mishka, was an intern there too. Ah. And then Ezra from Vampire Weekend. Wow. I didn't yeah. know any of that. What a run, eh? Yeah, that's pretty, it's an interesting list. It's kind of a weirdly diverse list too. Yeah, but like, you know, it goes to show if you want to have success in your chosen field, intern at Matador Records. <laughs> Maybe yeah. don't be on the label. <laughs> I jest, I jest. <laughs> I think I think uh I don't know. I'm not touching that one. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> but uh yeah, great email as usual, Dave. You uh continue to uh be the wind beneath our wings uh here on the show. Mm-hmm. And uh I love that you absolutely take us to task whenever possible. <laughs> More so Damien than myself, but nonetheless. Yeah, well, you know what, Dave, anytime, buddy. Anytime. <laughs> I'll I'll die on the ween hill for the party. <laughs> Unafraid. Um, uh, so the next email here, do you want me to take or you sure, want to take? Sure, you want to take it. All right. It is subject is zine anthologies and the middle class from Steve in California. Uh, in 1987, when I was a 15 year old kid getting into punk, one of my main sources of info and images was Flipside 10 year anniversary issue. The Flipside issue, pardon me. Uh, it wasn't really a proper anthology, but it compiled interviews and features. From the first 10 years of the zine, one band I came across while th- some, pardon me, thumbing through the issue was the middle class. I immediately recognized their singer Jeff as a guy who worked at Compact Disc Warehouse uh, in Orange, a store I frequented. Uh, he was a quiet, unassuming guy who gave no impression of a punk past, and I was shy. I was a shy kid, so I never approached him about it. Uh, also, 
I hadn't heard their music and assumed they were just a second-tier OC punk band. I also shopped at his brother Mike's, who sadly passed away a few years ago, vintage store called Out of Vogue in Fullerton several times before realizing the middle-class connection. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. All these years later, after hearing their music and seeing them mentioned as originators of hardcore, I really wish I would have approached them about their days in the band. And, uh, yeah, great email, Steve. Thanks for writing. Yeah, and it it goes to show you, if you see someone you recognize from a punk band, approach them. Yes. Yeah. Damien has had much luck with that. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. Uh, Okay. Uh, Michael Phillips has written in on the subject of Bucket Truck. Walter did produce that Bucket Truck record. There was a lot of Walter's sightings here in St. John's while they were recording the album. I think he also played a solo set, either a bar or someone's house. Also, a random fact about Rise from Montreal, who you guys mentioned in footnotes a month ago, Don Ellis and Bob Average from Schizoid were in that band after Schizoid broke up. Love the podcast. Thank you, huh. Michael, for writing that in. I wasn't aware of the, the those uh, Schizoid members being in anything else after Schizoid. That's cool. I know like one of them lives in Toronto, or, or a couple of them in Toronto now, right? Yeah, that, I don't know if, I, the, if there's more than one Bob, but yeah, the one Bob I bought records off of, and he yeah. lives are in the GTA. Yeah, yeah. Now that makes sense why he had all that Montreal stuff, eh? Yeah, actually, that does now <laughs> very right. much. There we go. <laughs> yep. That thanks for putting that mystery for Chris and I together eight years later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Um, so next email here. Um, is from Jeff, and it's uh, actually. Do you want to hear? Uh, want to hear a funny Walter anecdote? Yeah. Okay. So I met. Uh, I met the. I met Jonah Ray this weekend. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. have, he's going to be on the podcast. It's going to be fucking incredible. Comedian uh, Jonah Ray. Comedian Just... Jonah Ray, and and also hardcore kid, straight edge hardcore kid. Yeah. And he was telling me about this time that uh, I'll, I'll let him tell it when he comes on. <laughs> You're I'm thinking up. about why it, that just sounds like a fucking terrible <laughs> awkward name drop. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, this, either way. this episode, Chris, this is what happens when you record an episode just after getting off a plane with no sleep, and <laughs> and you spend a day working away and you gotta spend a night cramming and studying. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> we've, we've, well, you, you have all the editing power, so however this turns. Oh, out, I'm not editing um, shit. People are hearing this. People are hearing this train wreck. Okay. Uh, so either way, you've now uh, had a nice, uh, not spoiler, but what, uh, teaser tease, for the Joe Ray. A tease. A preview. <laughs> uh, so next email uh, is just a quick question from a listener, Jeff. Um, just likes the podcast, what have you. But um, occasionally we get these questions and normally I would attempt or we would attempt to right back to these but we seem to be having a lot of trouble doing that lately so we've decided to uh try to just sort of uh acknowledge these on the actual episodes and perhaps uh spur on discussion also from our uh frequent writers and listeners but uh the question he poses to us is i don't know much about japanese hardcore can you offer a few good starting points and this is damien's uh bread and butter so well i think uh, actually there's a great um message there's a great email that kind of addresses this later on too um in regards to an amazing compilation i have the thrash gorilla is a incredible compilation which is going to be uh, adam g sent that in as a recommendation for our our ongoing best comps ever thing and this is a, <laughs> yes. this is a japanese compilation that 
I guess it's like late eighties, early nineties, but it, it, it kind of captures like all the best quote unquote, I guess, burning spirit bands. Like I think identified as burning spirits, certainly by this point. Um, and it's got like a who's who on it, you know, crow, uh, who else raised Tetsuare's on it. I'm trying to call it the track listing right now. Death side, of course. Um, who else is on it? Do you have it, Chris? I don't have it. I do not have it. I looked it up. I don't own this. Uh, but, uh, uh, it has Death Side. Uh, I don't read. Uh, I can't read that one. Sob Nightmare. No, that's Tetsuare. Oh, oh that's Tetsuare. Okay. Which has connection to Japanese pro wrestling. Go back to a past <laughs> footnote and yes. listen to that one. <laughs> Which Damien is very excited about. Very yeah, excited. Was, that that connection is pretty huge for you. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the other ones were Raise Kane, Sob Nightmare, and Crow. Is uh everything that's on there? Uh, Sob is kind of like to me the uh, they were probably like, to me they were probably the biggest band that came out of that scene at the time, you know, but not really like the most reflective maybe of the sound. Maybe yeah, I don't know. I, 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 don't know. I, I if I were like there, I really like that. Uh, I guess it would be a twelve inch or is the LP. That, Leave me alone or don't, don't be, swindled. be swindled. Well, both those are great, but um. That sort of selfish era record stuff is all great. Um, but yeah, SOB, I don't know. This is not the first band I think of when I think of this weirdly. Well, at this, the time, though, they were like the band that had like uh, first record on Rise Above Records was their 7-inch, Thrash Night. And they did a split with Napalm Death back then. And they toured Europe. You know, like how yeah. many bands back then like from Japan were touring Europe? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Oh. Yeah, so I guess they did get out of the gates fairly early. But you, so you're saying the other ones that sort of maybe have more notoriety nowadays? Yeah, uh, like I think they've almost been eclipsed now by like you know the Death Sides and the uh, the Nightmares and and certainly the Gauze and Gizums. Yeah, well, those those are the the big 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 ones. So okay, so that comp is is a decent uh, mention. Uh, what else would you say? There's one record in particular I think is like insanely. Uh, a great record, which is the uh, Bastard Wind of Pain LP. Yeah. Uh, which is the band is Bastard, Wind of Pain is the LP. Uh, great record. Uh, do you own an original of that, by the way? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Tristan bought one at Rotate this weekend. There was a copy of Rotate on the wall. Oh, boy. Jeez. That's a record that, my God, it's a... Uh, Simon Harvey, who does Ugly Pop Records, I remember him telling me as a kid that that was, in his opinion at the time, do not think he maintains this to this day. But was the best hardcore record uh, ever, and I, I don't know if I'd agree with that either. But it's a damn good one. I would say though, it's it, I I can accept that argument. You know, I would be perfectly fine if someone's like, "This is the best hardcore record ever." In my yeah, I, it's not. I mean, it's yeah. I wouldn't. No, it's not unreasonable at all. <laughs> so. uh, I love that record so much, and I still think it's you know perfect. Yeah, it came out in 92, but it was actually reissued in 2013 on Feral Ward Records. So if you are a record person, um, uh, go find maybe the reissue. would probably be easier, of course, uh, whatever other way that you want to hear it. And then they became another band called Judgment. And Judgment did uh, two singles prior to this, but then their third single, Mad Dog. That's one of my favorite Japanese punk songs. Yeah, Judgment's a great one too. Um, I'm trying to. Why do I feel like we're blanking on like the comes? The, yeah, the comes are, are incredible. Just like a, uh, I believe it was all women punk band that just fucking destroys. Yeah, that. What is it? I always like that. No side, which no I guess side. Yep. 
is a great. I don't know if that's a, like technically an EP. I guess is it uh, technically an EP? I guess it's really short. Yeah, <laughs> but it's fucking. It's believe me, you will not be wanting more power when you are done with that twelve inch. <laughs> that twelve inch will blow you away with the raw power it is throwing. Yes, your agreed. Most of this stuff will, though. To be fair, yeah, that's the thing about Japanese hardcore, Burning Spirits hardcore. I guess more specifically, you know, and I'm, there's lots of other types of Japanese punk and hardcore. Like it's not all burning spirits, obviously, but this music in particular, to me, nothing has this power. Yeah, I, I don't know if I entirely agree with that. I think there are things that that do, but I think they like you know, and I, you you're probably thinking of like Oi or something like that, and I think that has like a low end. But as far as just like a sonic assault, like a raw, like just like blazing power for me i don't know it's it's different with japanese burning spirits hardcore it's not like what you're saying is not unreasonable and i i feel like <laughs> whatever whatever these debate or not debates whatever these sort of topics come up i always feel like i'm the guy on the like the the more cynical end well that's like, the thing chris i need you to balance out my optimism <laughs> your optimism is great what i would say i i do think you're onto something i think there is something uh, sonically interesting about a lot of these groups and about a lot of Japanese groups for whatever reason. Uh, I don't really know what to chalk it up to even. Uh, I'm even of thinking of things that are not entirely uh, like Burning Spirits or anything like that, but like something like Teen Generate or even Guitar Wolf. Yeah, and that, 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 that does, but it almost like, don't you find that, and this is going to be people to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> it lacks that kind of low-end power. What do you mean those groups do? Yeah, like Guitar Wolf is like hitting you, but it's almost like it doesn't have like it doesn't have like a subwoofer almost in the same way that Bastard does. Yeah, well, I, the Bastard record is special, and it's a bit of apples oranges because I don't think it's yeah. fair to compare like certain Guitar Wolf stuff to to thing. But uh, I mean, if I were to, to compare like a Sonic template, I think like to use a more popular or the most popular, arguably. Guitar Wolf record. I think Jet Generation from '99 is a pretty wild record. It's a wild record and it's a wall of noise, definitely. Yeah. But but I'm saying like yeah, that's that the thing. It's like, Burning Spirit stuff. It's almost like a controlled. I don't know. This we no. could go on debating this back and forth. <laughs> Wait. So okay. So here, I just want to rein this in a bit, just so we give a few. Like, uh, let's try and nail down five. So what do we have there? We gave the comp. We gave Bastard Wind of Pain. You gave there was not oh the comes no side. Mm-hmm. Um, let's do two more. So let's a gauze one's probably a good one. What would you say? I, I, do I go with equalizing distort? I don't know. I think you probably go with equalizing distort. Like I I love fuckheads because it's yeah. like definitely the more punk record. I think I prefer it, that weirdly, but yeah, yeah, me too. But it's not reflective of what gauze is in the same way that equalizing distort is. So there we go. So gauze equalizing distort twelve inch. Uh, and let's name one more. What do we got here? Um, ooh, I, I, I have a thrash gorilla. No, you already named it. So that's the four. We got four. Oh, we so got that's, that, that's up there already. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so we, can, we can go with what? Death side, lip cream. Maybe. Go- uh, yeah, I'd say no, because death side's on the comp. Okay. okay. I have thrash gorilla's got a death side part covered. I would say, I don't know. It's a, Lip cream or Giesel? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a tough choice. Well, maybe let's name two. <laughs> well, because I, I, well, I think like, yeah, maybe we need to name two. Lip cream. Okay. Well, uh, the Giesel one is a no-brainer for me. Yeah, me too. 
So you're going to name it? You want me Detestation to by Giesel. Yes. Uh, that's for those who don't know in the internet age, G I S M as an acronym. And the album is called detestation, of course. Um, yeah, great, great, great stuff. Uh, and then what was the different, wildly different than this stuff? Like it doesn't, it's not like, uh, it doesn't really pre foretell this music in anything but energy, I would say. Yeah, I think that's, yep. I agree. And you're going to go with a lip cream one? I, I don't guess. know. I'd say lip cream. Um, what would you like? You're saying lip cream too, I guess? I don't know. See, like for me, there's too much. <laughs> uh, We're going to ask well, for five more wishes for the fifth spot. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we can. I mean, I'm just thinking of the other stuff we're like leaving out. But I think that's a good starting point because I think if you get into any of this stuff, you will then go, okay, this or this or that. And then yeah. you'll just. You'll be on the right track. And there's a lot of amazing comps. Like, that's the thing about Japanese hardcore is there's just, like, an incredible breadth of comps. And a lot of times there's multiple songs by bands on these comps. And, yeah, it's a great kind of entry point for getting into it. And there's a lot of reissues now. So I'm sure any record store would kind of have – any cool record store, decent record store would have – you know, I said this sounds really pretentious, but would have a good <laughs> selection of Japanese punk rocker and hardcore. Yes. To be fair, though, mail order you could do too if you, you definitely can't mail find order. it, right? So anyway, all this stuff is on Discogs. If you can't find it, even the reissues. So look there if you're hurting or if you're in some area where there are no stores or what have you. But yeah, so those are. I think that's a good five starter. Mm-hmm. I agree. But no. there are plenty more. <laughs> there are way, way more. Should we get yes. into the yeah, beast of a Dave Martin email? Yeah, man. Or David Up email. David Up, yeah. The other Dave we know. The other Dave. Uh, Dave has written in uh, to an email that he entitled Multiple Lead Singers. Sorry, that he entitled Multiple Lead Singers. Eyeball Records, without any actual research, I felt the guy who ran it worked at Generation Records. It was a label that came out swinging, putting out a couple records in a row. It seemed like it was someone putting out what was big at NYC at the time and trying to see what stuck. They chose well. I remember having a stack of covers for the second Casualty 7-inch because one time I was there and there was a huge stack of them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But also he includes, more important I think for this show is that he does say that Gabe from the uh, band Midtown used to go to hardcore shows in the mid to late 90s. And also My Chemical Romance were from North New Jersey and had some sort of connection to the bass player Graham from uh, Fast Times, and I guess saw his pre-Fast Times bands and looked up to him and stuff. But that would be a great episode for Turn It Up Punk. There you go. Well, now you have a little bit of you have a nugget there. So if you ever get uh, one of them on the, I, can, I, I know I could hit up Frank. Frank and I follow each other on Twitter. That would be there a great guy to have on. Bob Surin from Sound Idea that he, he says he lives in Austin now. Anyway. uh uh what oh uh, yeah he he's he has a great book recommendation yeah we should sorry yeah no no go uh only death is real an awesome book and it talks about the origins of hellhammer and celtic frost or celtic frost (laughs) yeah however it's said (laughs) however it's said (laughs) but uh yeah that one i would have thought to mention that but i thought it was a little off the uh off our punk template so but yeah i've been seeing that make the make the rounds it does look amazing as well by the way mm-hmm. okay chris now it's on to your favorite band 
I love that you you toss this to me. I do like carry on. I think <laughs> you, I think you misjudged just how much I like carry on, mind you. But anyway, uh, I don't remember if I said this in my episode. Uh, this is relating to carry on. He mentions uh, not gonna da, da, da. Uh, detonation played with carry on. Uh, at the Pickle Patch in 2000, they played before us, and they were a big local band. Sigur said on the mic uh, that he was going to go home after their set, and he wasn't sticking around. <laughs> Dave comments, thanks, question mark. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thankfully, I never checked them out uh, when they were getting hyped due to that move. Well, Ooh. Chris can lend you some records, maybe. <laughs> um, and this was a, a neat anecdote, which I found, relating to Knife Fight, uh, Damien and I's uh, top of two thousands, let's say. Yeah, well, we both. I think we both said Burning Bridge is one of our top. Yeah, man, it's it's yeah, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, apparently, Knife Fight was a rejected, teared up name, uh, and John from Knife Fight had asked uh, if they could use it when they began, and uh, yeah, they played their second show with Knife Fight, and uh, so Knife Fight may not have been named Knife Fight had teared up chosen another one, another uh, that name. Yeah, and also John Westbrook, Westbrook recently had a birthday. So happy birthday, John. There you go. I don't know if he's listening, but uh, shout out to Oscar <laughs> and Eddie, uh, my <laughs> friends from The Stoop. Um, and Eddie told me about that. So Nice. Uh, and then you take these then. Uh, where am I going? Uh, oh, the next ones are, oh yeah, 97A. Uh, we can have a conversation about this. Imp- oh wait, nope. <laughs> <laughs> growing stronger. Oh, growing stronger is their best song. I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> Note on the comp: At one point, Uprise was going to be on it, and then they weren't. That's New Jersey Uprise. Um, yeah. Instead, it features "Push Too Far." Great track, but they weren't a real band. It was just ninety-seven A switching instruments, which is huh. very true. Um, and, uh, then Ramones, I'm 37 and never saw them either. Really bummed on that. Tonight my friends went was a snowstorm and I wasn't allowed to go. My friends uh, then all hung out with the blank 77s that night and got nicknamed. (laughs) (laughs) And we're all thanked on the first LP and I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Insult to injury. (laughs) Yeah, he says, really a twofold bum out. In my defense, the Ramones were around forever and they were always a band, I figured. I just go next time, and the next time never came. That's yeah. you know what? That's exactly what I said too. Totally. My, you know, and this guy, I, you know, this is a separate topic entirely. But I was talking to someone this weekend, and they were saying, like, with the Ramones, it's amazing to think about this band and how long they carried on. Yeah. Because like, you had two people that fucking hated each other. <laughs> yeah, totally. In that band, and they just carried on. So it's amazing that they did carry on to that point, and like how little people knew about that. Yeah, it, I didn't know about that until sort of all those documentary things started coming out. I, I didn't like. I definitely didn't know when they were really active about any of that stuff. Yeah, I don't think I well, was. You know, I imagine they didn't publicize it, but it was definitely yeah. not really talked about. Yeah. So interesting, but it's funny that you, Dave, and I all have that same <laughs> not seeing the Ramones. Well, we were, I think, of that age where we were just like, yeah. you know, kind of like bratty and title because all those punk bands were doing reunions around that time. I think if we were 10 years older, though, we would have caught them. You know yeah, I mean? oh, definitely. Yeah. Which is, the, which is the real rub. It's like we weren't that far off and we could have seen them, but yeah, it just didn't happen. And uh, anyway, I love that blank 77 anecdote that absolutely rules. <laughs> anyway, 
<laughs> Great email, as per usual. Yes, absolutely. And the uh, email I screwed up was actually just at my comments. It's multiple lead singers I screwed up. It was from a past email. Oh, okay, <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs> because it didn't make sense. Basically. Yeah, I was like, I'm like, okay, well, maybe Dave <laughs> was going anyway. <laughs> but it was Chris's yeah. fault. Yes, totally my fault. I will take blame entirely. Okay. Um, so this one here, next email from Adam. Uh, first off, I'll let you know much appreciated about the uh, doing the podcast. Um, thank you, Adam. Yes, thank you. It says moved from the U.S. to a small town in northern Japan. There are a lot of things to love about living here, but my regular show going and in-person music conversations came to somewhat of an abrupt abrupt halt. Pardon me. Um, podcasts have been an outstanding outlet to keep my <laughs> Nerd, nerd, I don't know how you write nerdity, nerd, I don't know. Nerdity? Nerdity, there we go. Having struggling with that. Uh, anyway, uh, I look forward to the show every week. Uh, he says, best compilations. Uh, I'd like to submit two entries, which Damien mentioned one already the Eye of the Thrash Gorilla Comp and the show soundtrack. And the show soundtrack he mentions is for the Taylor Steele surf film from 98 on Theologian Records. And at the time of its release, the songs on it were mostly unreleased, or at the time, unreleased versions, and included some of the best tracks from bands that were slash are huge in the epifat genre. Used your tag even, Damien. There you go. <laughs> it was like getting a ton of rad extra tracks from all of my favorite bands at the time. I especially love Rancid's Tattoo. Yep. Descendants Shattered. And uh, he mentioned it also includes an early version of Blink-182's Mutt, pre-recorded, or sorry, recorded pre-Travis Barker, and was the first appearance of AFI's Three and a Half before a Fire Inside EP had been released, a killer song. Uh, and then, of course, he goes on to mention the Eye of the Thrash Gorilla, no-brainer, I'm sure you guys probably agree, which we already mentioned. Um, and thirdly... Uh, this is probably mostly for Damien, given his previous mentions of Burning Spirits Band. I wanted to know what you guys thought of the Sapporo Band slang and their status as a Burning Spirits Band. I've gotten a chance to go to a few shows in Sapporo since living here, and when I talk to people about the punk scene in Sapporo, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, by the way. Yeah, I, I, well, as far as I know from the beer yeah. pronunciation, that's the way it sounds. <laughs> that's the Western way of saying it, anyway. Yeah. Uh, slang was always mentioned as being the pillar of hardcore in I'm not going to do this one. Hokkaido? I guess I got that. I don't know. Anyway, an important uh, and an important Burning Spirits band. I can't remember even hearing them talked about among Japanese hardcore fans when I was in the States, though. Interestingly, there's the singer of Slang, uh, who are still active, owns a venue called Club Counteraction uh, that is considered a legendary spot in the history of Hokkaido punk. In fact, the recording from the Fugazi Live series of them playing Counteraction in the 90s has been recently released as a CD by Disc Union in Japan. Oh. Uh, yeah. And he said he had the opportunity to see them at that club Counteraction a month or so ago with SOB from Osaka. Wow. Uh, definitely the highlight of my Japanese hardcore-obsessed life thus far, and both bands played their hearts out. Uh, also mentioned the multiple singers thing. Band I thought of immediately when the topic came up was Shy Halud. Wow, this email goes a lot of places. Um I always found it interesting that the band has continued to release incredible albums with a variety of singers, along a variety of different players, uh, and aren't afraid to tour with many different vocalists. And, uh, yeah, it just kind of goes on more about Shai Halud. But, yeah, so great email. Um, All right. Beast. But I uh, appreciate it, Adam. And, uh, yeah, I'm totally – as far as what our opinion on slang, we kind of had a little discussion about this. Like, 
I don't know a great deal about this band. Like I'm familiar with them, but I don't know as far as their status as Burning Spirits. I don't know how that really goes. Damien, you might have a better. Yeah, like I, I, I don't know. Like if it's something that you get, you know, if you're brought into it to be called like a Burning Spirits band, Jonah would know way more than I would about that sort of. <laughs> Jonah's way more inside what Burning Spirits hardcore is, but they've been around for like since 1996. And they definitely rep Sapporo the whole time. They also had like a New York hardcore vibe at one point too. Um, but I think they're, you know, they're sick. They've done records on a lot of, a lot of labels that like, you know, are, are definitely associated with the genre, like, you know, HG fact, bloodsucker records, MCR, you know, did a split with mind eraser, Chris. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yep. And 25 to Life, Damien. And 25 to Life. <laughs> They're the band that bridges uh, Chris Corey to 25 to Life. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, there's a lot of splits here. World Burns to Death. Yep. Uh, extreme Noise Terror. Stagnation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, a lot of releases. I don't know. Like I don't know a lot of the nuance about this band as far as what they're considered in Japan. Obviously, like, I'm not... Obviously, I don't know much about Japan this from a personal level, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I've never been like a not no nothing against this group. I've just never really gotten into them, apart from hearing the odd thing. I had the Immortal Sin, uh, which are schizophrenic records mm-hmm. from here released in two thousand eight. But yeah, I don't know a great deal about them personally. Well, there I I love them and stuff, but once again, like I don't know if it's like. It's like you can just call yourself a Burning Spirits band. You have to be brought in if they are brought in, if they want to be brought in. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe if someone knows, try to email us about it, and we'll try and get to the bottom of it. Yeah, but, I'll ask uh, Jonah. And, and in, the meantime, in the meantime, Jonah will be... <laughs> consulted. Consulted. There we go. <laughs> Jonah, so Jonah might even be a Burning Spirit band now. Yes. Yeah. Has he been anointed? Is the question. Yeah. Has he been anointed? That's true. Uh, so, next email. There's two quick little ones left. All right. Uh, Brian J has written in with a bricks footnote uh, for the bricks footnote show. Joe Rogan has a punk connection. One day I was listening to his podcast and he was talking about this crazy yoga instructor that he is friends with that had some band that plays crazy heavy fast music and then he says he's talking about ray capo and i lost it <laughs> so ray capo and joe rogan are friends i guess that that is joe rogan's punk connection for us right now that's, that's what we're gonna have to leave it at <laughs> yes it vindicates you though on the point that i think you mentioned something about joe rogan and related to punk last week i can't remember well he was my favorite character on news radio at certain points oh i love that show so much though it was a great show. Agreed. It was like the, I, like I think one of the low key best shows on network in that time period. I can't think of what it was up against offhand, but yeah, it was anyway, pretty good. That's people for, don't care about this. That's for turned out a couch potato. <laughs> yes. Uh, the last email here: nostalgic view on a band from Josh. I liked the conversation uh, when it came out uh, when it came to the nostalgic view on a certain band and how. Looking back, you regret not going to certain shows. Uh, are there all other bands or shows that either of you can think of that you may not have gone to that you regret today or any band in history? Uh, I will start up the convo. I had tickets to see Warp Tour 98 um, in Wisconsin, I believe, and I missed 
because of funds. Completely regret in the long run. Would love deeper dive into this from both of you. So on that note, this is what we got going on, Damien. You can take the first uh, thing here. There's like plenty of shows that I missed going to, but I think like that's part of it. You know, um, I missed like I didn't go to see Rock from the Tombs when they came through. I really regret that. Uh, I didn't travel to the, you know, final mosh with my friends when they went. You know, there's a I lot. Missed a lot of things to circumstance that weren't even necessarily money related, just either being busy, whatever, with plans of some other nature. Yeah, like you're not going to see everything. Like I think that's the that's the thing yeah. I had to eventually kind of realize at a point. And so I think when with that came a lot of peace about all the stuff I missed. <laughs> True. I'm just trying to think of like the big of any one that sticks out in my mind of missing. Um, good lord, that's a tough one to think of off the top of my head. To be honest, uh, I'm sure there's something. It's escaping me right now. Maybe it'll come to you and I as we go on. Maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't, sorry that we didn't deliver on that, Josh. <laughs> no, sorry, Josh. We'll work <laughs> on it. But um, yeah. you know, like I because that's the thing. It's like it's like I'm trying to think of other stuff I missed going. To. I was going to go to Fiesta Grande one time and I didn't go. I regret that. Hmm. And it's always because of lack of funds or scheduling issues or anxiety issues or you know whatnot. Yeah. I think I, I've gone through a good stretch where there was a lot that I wanted to see. For me, it's a lot more like out-of-town things, like um, like you were saying, like things that would have been like you know eight hours away that maybe I should have gone to in hindsight, but I never did. But yeah, offhand, as far as like most local stuff I've wanted to catch, I've caught. I can't think of too much. The one thing, and it's just like an easy one, and it sort of seems like lame and a bit pandering now, but I missed, and I, I've recounted the story, but I missed you guys playing on MTV. And I've already recounted this. Oh, yeah. On, but uh, it was completely not really, at, it was like a, a terrible traffic situation. I could literally not get there. So that was one I can think of in recent history. But Were you at MTV that, the second time we played at MTV? I, I didn't go to either, no. So okay, the I, second I time was the one that was, I think, the one that will live on in infamy. Yeah, I believe it's that one. It was the one with the motorcycle that I missed. That's the second one, yeah. Yeah, so that was the uh, – well, I missed both, but that was the one I was trying to get to and just could not get there in time. Um, but you didn't yeah. miss much of a set, though, Chris. We, I don't think we even <laughs> played more than one song. It was like the infamy, though. You know what I mean? It would be like yeah. to me – it was like a, to a smaller degree like missing Fear on SNL or something, you know, because I was like – didn't catch the right train. <laughs> it just seems like such a kind of a, a bummer. That's well, all. I appreciate you putting us in such esteemed company. <laughs> I, it was the it was the quickest comparison, but yes, it's just like it's just like you know back in the day when you would have you know and you look at that footage of Fear and you see John Brandon on the stage, you look at our footage and you see Warren from Molested Youth <laughs> and. You can segue this right into our guests. Oh, yeah. Is Greg there, too? Greg, well, he's probably there. I don't yeah, know if he's true. in the footage, but he plays in, in a group sh- called Shit. Yeah, that's it. true. He also does. Warren also plays in Shit yes. with Greg Benedetto. Yes. One of our two guests today, also Charday. they are the, uh, I guess, like brain trust behind the amazing not dead yet fest and uh it's kind of growing every year yeah i believe so they they i found it funny that they felt it wasn't as big as it was last year i don't know if i would 
I mean, they're they're obviously on the inside, but yeah. to me, it looks certainly equal. <laughs> I don't know if I would say any smaller, certainly, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think there's this year. There's like a show that seems like it's like the, a show that the Toronto media is going to jump right on hold of. Yeah, but I mean, even that aside, I think this, the the cross section of bands seems to be about on par. I don't know if there's any. No, I know because it always it always does incredibly well, in, like as far as like attendance and people are really enthusiastic when it's just appealing to, you know, like a, a certain scene, or like not yeah. a certain scene, but like you know, like a a giant diverse taste in music, but a certain type of kid. Whereas this time, I think the type of coverage the shows are going to get, certainly one show in particular, the Gloss Turnstile show. Yeah, it's going to be. I think there's going to be a lot of people there, just like normal Toronto, like normals and hipsters no agreed i think uh yeah it does have wide appeal for sure but uh, uh it is a great fest even aside from that like uh i think i've probably been to it every year that it's existed i believe i don't think i can't think of a year that i haven't mm-hmm. uh because it it came you played right? probably a good number of the years it's been in existence yeah i played oh i i don't know how many times but yeah a, a couple i think but I've, I go every year regardless. But, um, but yeah, there's some cool stuff this year that I'm looking forward to that I haven't seen yet. I'm hoping to catch it. That band Power is kind of interesting. I don't know if you heard them. I believe they're Australian. And that band Knots from Memphis are great. And I don't know if I'll be able to catch them, but they're awesome too. Those are the ones that are kind of my highlights so far. Yeah, like it, it's once again like a time where I learn about a million bands I had no idea about or – you know, get to see bands I only heard a couple songs by. If I get to go to at all, I seem to always have a kid right around then, <laughs> or be on tour. I've gotten to go to stuff over the last few years because they also. I think the cool thing about the festivals, it you know, and they talk about this podcast, so this isn't just me bragging. It does have that kind of like weird connection to the fucked up weekends that we used to do. Yeah, and and uh, because of that, they book a lot of the bands that were kind of part of that scene. So I've gotten to go and see a lot of those bands over the years and hang out with friends and stuff. So it does feel kind of like, yeah, like, like part of that, you know, it vaguely always feels like a homecoming. Yeah. I think, I I think like that's a kind of a good first talking point maybe is I, I do, I've always, no, I, I don't say this as any, um, as not giving them credit for doing their own thing, but I've always viewed it in my mind as a continuation of that. Um, so, and I think I went to every one of those too, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, either way, but yeah, it's a good, it's a good fest. So I don't know where we want to parlay after this, uh, gushing about how much we like that festival. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, no, I think, I think we can kind of just jump right into the episode, but if we did want to go on that point is that, yeah, like the, I think the thing was that makes these, this festival and what made what, let's be honest, Mike and Pesci and other people did most of the hard work on Sandy. And, you know, I did help book, book the, some of the bands. I'm definitely going to take credit for that. You know, <laughs> I didn't do a lot of the actual hard, hard work. Uh, but like, you know, what, what those festivals did was, um, you know, it was, it brought like DIY music festivals here. Like there was no sponsorship. There was no, like, it wasn't like North by Northeast or Canadian music week or one of these music industry things. It was just like, bring up bands that you like from all over North America, all over the world at a certain point 
and you know, people will come. People will be into it. Yeah, I think, and I, I think what's interesting to me is that it seemed to be really um, a big deal when sort of your weekend was sort of happening, or whatever. But also, it seems to have kept up and and or gotten bigger, arguably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think it's it's definitely, you know, like it, it's just it it really kind of uh, you know at a certain point I think we went indie with our <laughs> festival, you know, like the last year maybe um but like that but like it's also just speaks to the fact that like punk rock uh, hardcore diy never dies punk no d <laughs> yeah oh okay i have a good i have a first talking point i want to get to because let's I, I get think to it's it chris one. there's a funny thing that continues to come up on this show and people kind of know our takes but i still think it's funny right off the top there's huge clash dissing like right off the top. So to counterbalance the footnote, I'm going to be the one. I love the Clash, full stop. And I think that even the terrible records, I don't love, but those early ones are good enough for me to uh, to keep me hanging on for that band. So uh, I'm going to fully go to bat for the Clash here on that. And I, I don't agree with you or Sarde or I believe Greg. I don't even think anyone liked the Clash who talked about that. No, and I like. I don't know. I think I've softened on it a lot, you know, over the years. Uh, and I don't think as much of a hardest stance as I did when I stayed at Chardé's house way back when on this thing. But, like, I think the thing is, it's, you know, it's like you're if you're the one that sticks around, you're the one that's going to take the lumps. You know, you're going to be the mainstream band, you know, and, and that's, that's the thing with The Clash is they're the ones that, I think, to... To when you're a kid, they just symbolize mainstream punk. And yeah, you're rejecting. You're like, no, I'm different than that. And then I, you know, now I realize like they're fucking amazing. You know, and like I, I you know, I can't deny them as a band, and I can't deny the song, the you know, the songwriters in that band at all. Do I want to listen to London Calling the whole <laughs> way through? You should. I have. <laughs> Do I want to do it again, like in one sitting? No, but do I want to listen to the you're first not, two records? Yes. You're not wrong that there's a lot of diversity on that record, and perhaps it doesn't speak to the outright punk uh, ethic of the whole record, or however you want to say that. But uh, there are some huge jams on that record for me. So when people kind of take that one to task, I always think that's a little funny, too. There's literally one song on it that I don't like. Well, this is like, I've never seen the side of you, Chris. The yeah, feisty man, I Clash that. fan. No, I, I'm just saying because I laughed because my contrariness, which I think you share to a degree, yeah, so absolutely is is that I very much appreciate that people hate the Clash. Let's say, or even if you don't like, I'm not putting you in this necessarily, but that Sarday or Greg don't like them, that's fine. But I think it's funny where for me in 2016, I, maybe it's because I talked to you a lot and you <laughs> you don't like the Clash, but. I feel like that's the more pervasive opinion to have. It's kind of like the modern take of the um, I only like Keith Morrison Black Flag thing that was like yeah, really yeah. in vogue a decade ago. So my thing is like I'm okay with people feeling that way, but you kind of also – and again, I don't feel this way because I love this band too. But like I don't see those same people trashing the Sex Pistols as much or uh, trashing – I'm trying to think of anything else. Yeah, because that, that Sex Pistols record, it, take it by itself, is perfect. It is. Agreed. And it's better 
Individually as a record, it's better than any of the Clash have done. Yeah, individually as a record, it's probably better than any other record that came out of punk. Especially LP wise, it's a difficult one to mess with. Agreed. It's fucking Um, yeah. It's like just like a. It's just like so weird. It's so otherworldly. It is perfect. But if you're going to like you know take the Clash to task for certain things they've done, I mean, it's easily applicable to a lot of other groups that I just don't see people really. Giving that not so much you, but I just mean other people. Yeah, Stardia, Greg. It's just that pervasive kind of uh, idea of the the punk. What is holier than thou in punk in particular? Like, who are you going to attack? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that that was my whole point of this. And I, I I'm saying this in jest, and I I actually love that people don't like the Clash, but I I do happen to love the Clash uh, for whatever reason. <laughs> well, fuck you, Clash lover. There you go. Fair enough. I'll take it. <laughs> JK. But Just hey, kidding, Chris. First two LPs are huge. And it's London Calling, which you, you can pick apart, and I, I would still say is a strong record. But it definitely is more of a pop, uh, whatever, pop kind of record rather than an outright punk record. But Clampdown, that's a, that's a huge punk song for me. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, they've got some great songs like the whole way through. Like, and I can't, you know, like just because it's not for me doesn't mean I'm saying it's bad. Oh no, I agree. But but you know, it's uh, you know, it's no, <laughs> it's no, it's no GI. <laughs> Agreed. You know, Agreed. if I'm gonna if I'm like just if I'm gonna look for a record to throw on, I'm like I don't know. Anyway, this is we will never ever ever resolve this one, Chris. <laughs> no, take one. I just thought it was funny to mention off the top. Oh, uh, absolutely, a good point. Uh, I guess I'm gonna go with. Uh, should I go Brampton? Yeah, let's talk Brampton, the city of Brampton. Ooh, okay, <laughs> where are we going with this one? Well, I guess, uh, I guess actually, no, wait, no, let's before we go to Brampton, let's do Saskatchewan because uh, Chardonnay's from originally from Saskatchewan. Okay, and we didn't really bring up, uh, and so actually, someone wrote in to correct this that I Spy is from Saskatchewan. So, yeah, or I think, hold on here. I want to make sure we get this right. I believe they said Regina. I just want to make, I'm trying to think who wrote in that. But yeah, there was, before moving to Winnipeg, they said, mm-hmm. uh, yes, they are from, yeah, Regina before moving to Winnipeg is the, is the, is the quote to be exact. So I, I want to talk about I Spy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I Spy, great. I was kind of uh, amazed that there was no love, really, when you threw that one out. I know, I know. I was t- kind of bummed out that no one uh, really jumped on it either. I guess maybe is it nostalgia like that for that band? But I don't. I never saw them. Like it's not like I'm like, oh, I remember that time I saw them and how great it was. It was like totally from a distance. I I don't know. I think the thing I like about that group is that when they seemed to be functioning, what they were doing was like, I don't know. To me, it just seems like one of those bands that is sort of lost to obscurity a bit. And I realized they probably had a little bit of popularity, but um, yeah, that, it's that split with propaganda is so cool. And like, I don't know. I really, I'm with you on this band. There's something about them that I really like. Mind you, having said that, I haven't listened to it probably in 15 years. But. I, I've listened to the I Spy <laughs> propaganda split, the I Spy side, very recently. Yeah, and maybe. That, it, I, I, sorry, go on. 
No, no, I'm just thinking of that, um, and I think it's probably all on it, but that comp, the CD comp called Perversity is Spreading, It's About Time from yeah. 98. I definitely have that, and I miss, I think all of it's on there. Yeah, it um, is. So I just mean that. Like I haven't thrown any of that specifically on in a while. So It's that run of songs, though. Like that whole thing is cool, like the whole Perversity is Spreading, but like when you hit that run of songs, it's like, my God, they were on a tear with their side yeah. of that propaganda split. Yeah, that remain I'm looking at the titles now. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I remember Appliances and Cars I really liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's they're a cool band. I just think they were clever. I don't know. I, I dig that band. But um I think I just for me it's like whenever people are familiar with these bands enough to even know a song, I always kinda of get excited and <laughs> kind of like in the like in the interview when you when you brought it up and it didn't really go anywhere. I thought I was a little disappointed, not in the people, but I was just like, Oh, I wanted to hear some I spy talk, that's all. I was disappointed in the people, Chris. <laughs> oh. Okay, yeah. Uh... I did find it immensely amusing though that she also gave no love, Sarde gave no love to propaganda. I kind of found that interesting. Uh and that Greg, I didn't realize Greg liked propaganda as much as he does. Yeah, well, Greg's like that era, right? Like it's kind of the same era, I guess, for us. Where that that's the band, right? Like that's like we've talked about this before. Yeah, and I guess it's late. Dillinger Four comes later and is much more of a pop punk band. Um, in in song, like you know, their approach, like maybe melodic hardcore band or whatever, whatever you want to call it. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they're melodic. I would say they're much more of a pop punk band. Than, than propaganda, which is more of like the quote unquote, you know, melodic hardcore. Uh, yeah, uh, I think there's a bit more like metally things in propaganda as well. Mm-hmm. And they're the they're like the God, they're like amazing. They're like you listen to the lyrics compared to some of the other shit that was going on, you know, <laughs> like at the time. I think though, I found it interesting that his he cited. Uh, what song? He cited a song off Today's Empires. I'm trying to look it up now. Oh, Fuck the Border. Yeah. Uh, fully disagree with him on that. Fully disagree. A hundred percent. I was when he was saying that, I'm like, oh, we're going to go into this on footnotes. He did, he did hedges, like, he did, like, kind of disclaim, though, that he was, it was a bit of a, whatever, sensational opinion. But for me, we've discussed this before, like, this record, to me, is kind of where I get out of this band. So, I have a very weird relationship with this record. So, I don't look my, the record for me for this band is Let's Talk No Rock. I you know Today's Empires is all right, but it doesn't doesn't really you know it doesn't really do it for me as much as the that second LP or whatever. Yeah, like uh, well, I don't know. I I think that second LP is perfect, but Today's Empires Tomorrow Ashes has some songs on it that I think are like the lyrics are just fucking incredible, and like just like the takedowns of stuff that they do in that record, it's just like, I don't know, I think that's where Chris really found, uh, like, as a lyricist, I think that's, like, where he kind of found a vulnerability, but, like, but that worked for it in in a really amazing way. Yeah, like, I can't debate, it's just not, it's like, it's like you with certain things, it just, it never hit me as much. Yeah. I remember being really, really super excited when this came out, I was really anticipating it, and I just... It's one of those records that, for me, and again, this is not an indictment of the people. It's just, I it was one of those things where a record, you know, you anticipate and it comes out, and you're. It's not to say even that you're let down, but it just is not what you expect. 
Um, so for me, this one never hit me as much like other people. But there, like you're saying, there's some solid sh- stuff on it, like lyrically especially, uh, no debate. But um, some of it for me is not didn't hit. I don't know what it is. But I think this is the best sonic template this band ever did. I'll say that. If I were to like give someone, like if someone didn't know this band, that would be the record I would tell them to listen to. Yeah, that's the most coherent, like coherent statement, I guess. Like the as a record, I mean, not like you know, like thesis, whatever statement. Uh, Like it's just like every, you know, like John K. Sampson was gone, so you didn't have those songs in there to kind of break up what they were doing, even though Todd songs came in at that point, but Todd songs, I think blend a lot more with that, what their sound was. Yeah. And Todd songs are hard and that's cool. But yeah. the, again, not that John's weren't, but yeah, you're right. It did. It just, the sensibility did, did change. But for me still, I don't know what it is. That less talk record is the one, but it's probably maybe my age or I don't know at that time or I don't know, whatever, but well, it's that one, two punch where it's like, uh, consider someone else. Stop consuming animals, and you're like, "How this house is still going? It's relentless." And you know, because you knew nation states, and you know you're not even at that song yet. And it's already that good. That record, it's already that fucking good. Yeah, the running time on that record's great too. It's a short one, but it just packs the punch. Oh, it packs a million punches. It's a whoosh, whoosh. That's a great record. But yeah, so I don't know who brought that point up, but that's my that's my take on the propaganda thing. <laughs> um, I, yeah, who brought that up? I guess it was transition from I Spy. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, fair so enough. So I guess it's still that was my point. So it's your point, Chris. Okay, what should I? I wanted to because I feel in case we don't get through the episode entirely of all the points we want to get to, I mentioned to you something earlier. There was a group that you guys mentioned in the interview while I was listening, and it was like yelling, laughing, and sort of yelling. Um, she mentions a friend who has a band called Rogue Nation or had a band called Rogue Nation, whatever, 10, some, 10 12 years ago probably. But uh, they played um, in Hamilton once at the basement of Sonic Onion. And I brought this up to you pre-recording. <laughs> but uh, I have a flyer that unfortunately I couldn't dig up. And hopefully I will find because I will definitely forward it to your brother to put up on the Tumblr or whatever. But um, the – uh, <laughs> fitting that you mentioned like you mentioned sort of a vague familiarity with the band but there was a gig that you were supposed to play with them in a former band of yours or sort of maybe still ongoing band in a certain way but uh, anyway Criminally Insane were billed to play with this band and some others I can't remember who and I went to the show in anticipation of catching Criminally Insane who did not show up <laughs> so Damien what says you uh yeah criminally insane i think it's probably more dead than alive at this point i would be very <laughs> shocked if there's another criminally insane uh moment uh but uh i have no recollection at all of booking that show so uh, maybe i did i will when i dig up the actual proof it's gonna be funny because i can't remember the exact lineup but i just remember going and then kind of finding out mid-show that you guys were showing up and i was bummed but uh yeah Maybe I like I can't I can't see myself booking that, but you know it probably was me. I vague <laughs> like a slim possibility it was too long, you know. And there's an even slimmer possibility that uh, someone just made up that we were playing. We were never actually booked to play. <laughs> I don't know, yeah, but it's always been one of those mysteries. But flyers do exist. I still have one, and uh, I have allegedly. To 
No, no, allegedly. It exists, my friend. Until I see I, it. <laughs> and it's not, I believe it even, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it even sub-bill, so it could not be another criminal insane, because I think it even mentions the, uh, oh. at the very least, it mentions, I believe, the no warning connection on the uh, flyer. Well, then if it's not, definitely DeLong booked it. Yeah, so either way. <laughs> Interesting a- anecdote for the listeners who are super nerdy, and that's a funny, <laughs> funny me being let down by uh, Damien not uh, following through with a gig uh, probably 13, 14 years ago. <laughs> well, Chris, if you want to come over to my house sometime, I'll yell those songs in your face. <laughs> sure. Okay. It still remains my favorite project of yours, by the way, and you're well aware of this, but anyway. I know, which is shocking to me. <laughs> a very, a very, you know... I don't know. That or the overtime demo are the two most random things I think I've ever done. Yes. Speaking of, I don't own that. If anyone has that, I want that. So hit me up. But uh, Or hit us up and I will figure that out. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, Damien doesn't want it. Um, I have I have one copy. I, I definitely have kept a copy of that one. It's in my, yeah. I'm looking at it right in front of me because I have a straight, <laughs> I have a strip of no warning as we once were related <laughs> demos and that's in there too. But uh, speaking of, of uh, back to the earlier email really quick because it, it relates to this point. That is one. I never did ever see Criminally Insane play. Every time, which has been very few times, if not only two, maybe three times you, you've played. I, ah. I, I was either at a show because you played or your demo was out when there was a Rivley show once. I did not see I don't yep. know if you guys opened or not, but I definitely came late. We did. opened for Fucked Up when it's a Fucked Up schizophrenic record, the live record. Yeah, so I was at that gig, but I missed whatever, the opening. And then you guys played again later, much later, in like the mid-2000s. I think we had already played, though, by that point, too, one time. Yeah, I went to the one show you guys didn't show up, and then every other time you played, I'd either just missed you or not been able to see you so that speaks to uh that earlier email of stuff i've missed but anyway <laughs> no that's 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 the thing it's like you're you're I'm, it gets to a point where you're like oh god how do i not remember this stuff but you're like <laughs> maybe i played a lot of shows yeah i don't blame you for not remembering now but it was very funny at the time and i was never like pissed off with you guys at all but i just thought it was very like fitting that i've never been able to catch any performances uh, well i promise you chris you can come over and i will give you a, pro- I'll give you a personal <laughs> performance a command performance well i'm sure i'll be good without it but either way uh like i i would yeah anyway next point <laughs> all right next point let's move on to talk about uh, uh do you want to do you want to talk about uh under pressure yeah, I don't know much about this band. I thought that when that, they got brought up, I thought it was interesting, but I don't know anything. Yeah, but they're they're sick. They're they're awesome. They're like a a band. I'm trying to remember what labels they even did records on. Um, but we we stayed with them one time. I think we played with them twice, maybe only one time, unfortunately. But uh, they were they like a phenomenal band, and now apparently, you know, have gone on to become in several other phenomenal bands. And this, are they from Winnipeg or were yes. they from, okay. Yeah, I don't know, like again, I've heard the name in passing, but I don't know, uh, I don't know them, unfortunately, I never even, I don't own any records or anything. But, uh, so you, did you know them before going out there and playing with them or whatever? Yeah, we, they were kind of like making the, the like, you know, I think they had a seven inch out at that point. I don't think it 
you know, was as good as they would go on to kind of be, um, or gave as it much indication at that point. Maybe it was, maybe like it was killer right off, right out of the gate. And I'm just forgetting that for a seven inch, but yeah, they were a, a phenomenal band and just like had that whole, you know, burning spirit style hardcore. Like that's what they were trying to do. Like they were trying to become that type of band and try and get that kind of energy and sound. Yeah, it's weird here too because they existed in an era that is like sound pollution. Put out their first seven inch. Yeah, yeah, we were definitely very LP. familiar with them right at yeah. the gate. So the first LP, it seems, and the first seven inch got put out by Sound Pollution. Um, Primitive Air Raid did another one, but yeah, it's this. I don't know anything about this band. Sadly, I have nothing to impart. But um, but I find it interesting. These kind of like we've talked about it at length, sort of throughout all these episodes, but. I find that this is the kind of stuff for me that's going to be interesting to, to hear back, like, well, sort of now, I guess, if not in the next 10 years. These are the kind of bands I expect people to kind of unearth more and kind of go, oh, yeah, there was this interesting, you know, mid-early 2K band that's, you know, sounded great or whatever. Because I wouldn't have thought much about this group apart from what came up in the interview. Yeah, like Selfish is another band from, uh, uh, were they from Finland? Yeah. yeah, I can't remember exactly. Somewhere out there, certainly, but yeah. But like, yeah, like note perfect kind of Japanese hardcore. And this band, I don't think, was trying to be that on the nose with what they were doing. But at the same time, they're a great band and well worth checking out now. They have they have like three LPs, I believe, and, uh, you know, maybe half a dozen singles. Yeah, it's funny. It's kind of ironic that I know Selfish and I have some of those records, but I wasn't really familiar with this band all that much. But um, although I think maybe Selfish has a bit of a bigger rep, but uh, well, Selfish did do a record on HG Fact, right? So they got kind of like, I guess, brought in at a certain point. Like they are yeah. probably a Burning Spirits band if there is something where you have to be actually made officially one. Yeah, that's funny too because that's the one I have that Burning Sensation twelve inch mm-hmm. whatever from two thousand one. Um, but the that seven inch I believe I have too the first one. The self-titled on, yeah. But either way, cool bands. But yeah, under pressure, I don't know much about to add anything to your to your topic, unfortunately. No, well, then I will leave it at that. Chris, uh, they're gonna, people are going to have to take my word for it because you have nothing to offer to them <laughs> to counter it. So there you go, everyone. I'm right. Yeah. Do you know G-Money, right. Chris? I don't, I, but I found that interesting because he has come up on other episodes that I've listened to. Yes, he to. has. Yes, he has. And the Alexis guys definitely know Oh, sorry. You know, I don't know him, but yeah, that's right. I know one of them at least definitely has a story. Yeah, I um, think you would know him too, like just from like you know, because you did merch at these Brampton shows, right? Uh, no, I don't think I did. So is that yeah. before your era? Of yeah, Alexis just just the the brief little period before. But the weird thing is, I knew um, the Monine uh, folks as well a bit, but I never I never went to any of those Brampton Brampton shows. So. Um, yeah, I never went to any of those. So I, maybe that's why I don't know him, but maybe I've had run-ins over the years and I just don't recall, but I definitely don't know anyone as that name that I you know would know. Maybe I've met them and not been introduced as that. I don't know. Could yeah, be. he's well, maybe. No, he would probably introduce himself as G-Money. Yeah, I don't know. He used to stand outside of uh, like hip-hop shows and hardcore shows and metal shows in Toronto with his band Twinfold. CDs and oh, okay, I know that band, but I don't know him. You would, yeah. do you remember that suit? He would sell it at the show and he'd hustle his CD 
I know exactly sell- who you're talking about. Yeah, I don't oh. know him, but yeah, I know the band, and I know the I know him to see well. Yeah, you see him whatever in the late '90s, early 2000s. But yeah, I never knew him. He, but he was like, you know, he was doing it like in a real way, and like hustling his CD and selling like hundreds of CDs outside of like a Wu Tang show or like, you know, maybe not a Wu Tang show. I'm trying to think of like what shows he, he would have been out in front of. Anyway, he would hustle his CD everywhere he could. Yeah. I do remember that, and I know of that band <laughs> certainly, but uh, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying it's my music necessarily, the band, but <laughs> yeah. you know, by the same. But at, at, by the same point, it is uh, very admirable to work that hard on something. Totally, I think it's funny that, and I didn't. Now that you've pieced that together for me, because I didn't know the band association by that name offhand. But um, so, Greg, what did Greg mention? Greg knew of him from. The, the mall CD store, or whatever. Yeah, like, he was like he was like I guess Brampton's Joel Carrier. Oh, okay. You know, like the same way Joel Carrier kind of like served that purpose for a lot of kids in your area um, yeah. that were like a little bit younger than you, I guess, or around you know the next kind of wave of kids, right? Yeah, he was that guy. Like he was the guy that was getting all the cool CDs into a big chain mall store, so kids that weren't hip to distros and and mail order and all that kind of stuff had access to punk records gotcha so indirectly we can thank him for not dead yet fest is what you're saying uh yeah greg benedetto (laughs) would probably be a very different person if it might be like you know i don't like i he was probably already into that stuff just because he was saying yes i know know, but like i think i think certainly like a whole wave of kids would have maybe turned out very differently i met I went up, went up to, with Greg one time to work for Alexis on Fire at the Warp Tour, Chris, and I think you were there too. I was definitely there, and I was definitely working. <laughs> yeah, and he was there too. What do you mean, G Money was or G Money? I don't remember. Greg Benedetto wasn't there. Sorry, G Money was. Okay, I don't anyway. again. Anyway, no one cares that's listening about this part of the story. <laughs> okay. Was that your, I can't remember, is it your point or my Well, point? I kind of just like jumped in there with the G-Money yeah. thing, so you can go. Oh, what to do next here? We kind of talked about Propaganda and I Spy. We don't really need to go into that. Um, weaker Thens, the band of Winnipeg. I think that's an interesting point. Uh, I have no beef with the, Win- with the Weaker Thens, although I'm amazed at how many people that seem to <laughs> over the years now. Mm-hmm. Um which I think is kind of odd and unwarranted, if I'm being perfectly honest. But uh, are you a big fan? I'm not a huge fan, but I definitely when those when the first record came out, I really enjoyed it. And I just think they've always been. Well, I don't believe they're a band anymore, but I always thought they were a pretty sound band as far as not doing anything that was terribly. Uh, I don't know why anyone would be offended by them. I guess is what I should say. So I think it's because they became kind of ubiquitous at a certain point, maybe. But like I, yeah, I guess, but I, I, I don't have ill will towards them at all. But like, yeah, I mean, as like the, as like a can rock band though, which is essentially what they became, like a Canada rock band, whatever you want to say, radio yeah, rock band, which rock never band, really yeah. got radio. But uh, that CanCon rock band status thing, like I thought they were tasteful. They're fine when you look at a lot of the groups that sort of embody that whole thing. I think the Weaker Thens are on pretty good playing field with like the ones that everyone loves. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's just something I've encountered over the years. But um, I agree with you 100. percent Like I think they, yeah. they, you know, everyone in that band. I don't know actually anymore. But like there was a point where they all kind of came into punk bands and 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 you know like you know had definitely you know, put the ethics that they wanted at the forefront of how they did things. And so, 
You know, they always tried to carry themselves like much like the tragically hip an industry full of sh- bullshit, which is the Canadian music industry. <laughs> they are one of the few bands that like try to rise above. Yes, agreed. And to be fair, when I saw the Weaker Thans, they were definitely touring as a very DIY outfit, and I saw them at a tiny place to not many people. And it, you know, they had really humble, decent beginnings. So whatever they became to people over the years is not certainly not what they started as. Even even with the propaganda connection, which was fairly popular at the time. Absolutely, yeah. They toured before the record came out and played the basement of Who's Emma. Yeah, totally. Um, so I don't know. I just I find that kind of interesting that I've experienced over the years. Not to I don't know. There's no one I I'm like trying to diss or something, but um, not that I Greg and Sardé didn't really say anything uh, contrary either. But I just I, it's something that's another weird little thing I've noticed over the years. Um, but yeah, uh, what else to touch on here? I don't know, man. <laughs> what do you want to go on? Do you got a point? <laughs> <laughs> we've been Lost. talking we're already over an hour well yeah. over an hour so i think we'll uh we'll wrap pretty soon but i guess like i kind of what to wrap on um i guess we should wrap on uh the uh the uh, uh <laughs> let's wrap on um the return of drugs to hardcore era. <laughs> that's funny because I was just looking at that thinking that's an interesting title. Um, yeah. I Remember when that, that happened? I don't know. Like, I, I was trying, while this was happening, while I was listening to the episode initially, I was trying to think if I could remember any point where it became very pervasive, where I couldn't remember it happening before. I don't know, man. Like, I. I you know, I don't have, that's not my lifestyle. So I don't think, um, I wouldn't say I'm naive to it, but I don't have a great deal of experience personally with any, anything like that. So I, I think know, friends I know, of ours I'd, that were involved in music though, Chris, you and I know like, yeah. around a certain oh, yeah, yeah. Point, like a lot, like a lot of friends and tons of bands, um, that became part of their life at a certain point. Like, and it was all very, you know, on different levels. All around the same time. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. I think if you had to call it, I would say it would be, you know, certainly around the mid 2000s is where it yeah. seemed to really kind of get more in vogue. But I, at the same time, I, I think it's kind of we're we were experiencing like seeing maybe the pe- certain people fall into that that we wouldn't have expected or whatever. But I don't know if it's, I would ever say it's like, wasn't there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no, but I, think I, I think it wasn't there in, in the scene we were part of at the time. Yes. Like, I, I'll agree with you there. Correct. Yeah. I wouldn't just argue that. I just mean in general, I just have a hard time. Like I'm, you know, again, it doesn't really relate to my life. So I just don't think about it, but I, you know, I'm not naive enough to think that like, it's not happening everywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't know. No, it's definitely happening. Uh, it's happening probably right now. Right now. <laughs> yeah, Someone's sorry. listening to this. Like, fucking finish, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. And I mean, whatever. I, don't, I got no judgments. People can do whatever the hell they want. I just mean, like, for me, yeah. I, I think a lot of what sort of you guys were kind of touching on, or I think maybe you and Greg Moore, was like the idea of the the post straight edge, or no? I guess everyone was in on it, but the sort of the post straight edge thing, where like you know straight edge is like cyclically uncool, certainly every ten years, <laughs> but uh, 
that cycle ended whatever like in the, i would say what early 2000 and then like that's sort of when it ushered in this weirdness so, yeah yeah i think it sort of follows a cycle i would argue that i think like that sort of you know i don't know if i'd call it like a, a youth crew thing like was kind of going on in the late 90s like that weird youth crew wannabe revival stuff but whatever it is now i think of the last I don't know, three, four years, there was like a good spike there in like that sort of stuff coming back. And now I think it's waned again. So I just think it's like a 10 year cycle or something like that where, you know, it comes in and out and that's mm-hmm. maybe where we're noticing it more. I don't know. Well, we're going to have to wait 10 years, Chris. <laughs> 10 years, years, I really won't care <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. what people are doing or not doing, but I don't know. I, I think I just, I worry about being too naive about the idea that like this isn't always something happening. That's all I'm trying to convey. But yeah, there was certainly, we knew people that I think were getting into it in that era a lot more than ever before. Absolutely. As one of the greatest poets of our time once said, straight edge is fine when you are young, but as you get older, you learn moderation. There's nothing wrong with having a few fucking beers. You're on a roll. Uppercut. There you go, buddy. <laughs> All right. I like that the syllable is what has to rhyme the line out. I love that fucking... That's like my favorite rhyme in music. <laughs> uh, well, uh, that, right. I don't know if it's mine, but it, it's an interesting one. <laughs> well, you, can, you, can, you can have your Morrissey, and you can have your lyricists. <laughs> Give me... Uh, I can't remember his name, the lead singer of, of Uppercut. But... <laughs> well, there you go. He is my Yates. Okay, let's. Uh, let, I guess we're gonna we're gonna call it. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. All right. So if this is gonna be it, everyone, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us where Chris turned out a punk footnotes at gmail dot com. And if you enjoy this show, please subscribe to this. If you use iTunes, write a review and rate it, and uh, because that's a really great way to support it and tell people about it. If you think other people will enjoy this. Um, because that's, you know, how you spread the word too. And, uh, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at left for Damien and social media stuff, you know, at left for Damien, you can, uh, subscribe to this show and get ready. Cause clobbering times coming back this week with a huge double episode, the wrestling punk podcast. And also this week coming out on Thursday. So coming out real soon, David cross on turned out a punk. Nice. It's good. It's really fun, Chris. Cool. He, you know what? He talks about Answer Me. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, there's there's a <laughs> lot of interesting shit in this one. And it's like, and trust me, the Answer Me part isn't even, it, you know what? It's not even cringing. It's it's a very, trust me, it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. All right. Fair enough. All right. So, everyone, thank you very much for listening to this show. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for all the kind words you're saying. Thank you for supporting the mailbag. Uh, And that's it. Right, Chris? Yes. We will see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye.